Well, it was yet another Max Masterclass, and I guess you could say it was simply, simply lovely. Welcome to episode 295, I believe. I've lost count now of Grid Talk, uh, where we are here to discuss uh, the race from the from the 2023 Canadian Grand Prix. My name is Tom Downey, and joining me, we have Joe Jacob from the Hits the Apex podcast. Morning, everybody. Good morning. Of course, I forget you are quite literally on the other side of the world. And then going to the other side of the world, we have uh, Rachel Kapusta from the Paddock Pals podcast. Hello. Good evening to you all. <laughs> good evening to you too. But just before we get into this week's episode, which is episode 296, not 295, apparently I forget how to count, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. So Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals, infos, stats, news and scores get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's nba and stanley cup finals bet online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball and hockey to mlb ufc and boxing the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and car games available to play right from your home get into the action today head to the website or use your mobile device to uh, to join and be sure to use our promo code believe that is b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50% deposit on your sorry to receive a 50% bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts now we've just had the 2023 canadian grand prix um not well. It was it was a decent race. I would definitely say, and as as per, we are going to go from bottom to top. Uh, we're not going to give a blow by blow of every single driver. So I just want to mention quickly P twenty. He DNF'd on lap six with a mechanical issue. Was Logan Sargent? Um, we're not really going to talk about that because there's not much to say, other than his Mercedes power unit apparently went on strike. So. Jared, the first driver that we're going to talk about is George Russell, who DNF'd on lap 53. Now, in the early stages of the race, he hit the wall at turn nine, and then ultimately that caused him to DNF for, uh, further into the race. Do you think Russell could have like, been right up there with his teammates, sort of like pushing push for a podium this weekend? Yeah, I reckon he would have been uh, there or thereabouts towards the end of the race. Um, we'll never know, of course, but uh the way he was able to recover after the crash, I thought he might have been done for um, after it. And I'm surprised that there wasn't any more sort of re-suspension damage on that Mercedes. But they brought it into the pits, had a quick look, put some hard tyres on it and sent him back out. And he was able to come back from um, being last. To, I think he was P8 or P7 at one point behind that epic DRS train of Albon and Ocon. And until, yeah, they decided to retire the car, you know, I thought, wow, this is a epic recovery. He's been able to side through the field better than Sergio Perez has been able to in the last couple of races, which we'll probably get to a bit later. But, um, yeah, Mercedes definitely on the pace. It was just a shame for Russell. Second DNF of the season as well um, when you go back to Australia when he had that uh, engine failure or the engine caught fire. So, you know, they'll be lamenting the points lost today, but it's looking pretty competitive between Mercedes and Aston Martin. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that um, that Mercedes is certainly bringing the fight to Aston Martin and vice versa. But a team that has perhaps not quite brought the fight this weekend, aside from decide, uh, trying to punt off a house into turn three, Rach, is the Alpha Tauri drivers. So Nick Debris finished P18 and Yuki ended up P14. Obviously, Yuki had, had the penalty from qualifying as well. Um Yuki kind of ruined his own race, you could say, because he had to box on that one with front wing damage. And then, as as I just mentioned, uh, Dick DeVries had a slight moment with uh, K-Mag into, um, into, into turn, I think it was into turn three. Do you think they could have got anything more out of this race, or do you think they were sort of doomed from the start? I think potentially Yuki could have gotten a little bit more out of this race if he didn't have that incident right at the beginning that they really didn't speak of that much on the broadcast. I was really confused. All of a sudden, he was way behind the pack and he pitted on lap one, like you said. So that was kind of shocking. Maybe we could have seen a little bit more potentially points, I don't know, from him this week. Um, I know he had a rough week last week, so looking for better this week. But of course, he had those grid penalties. Not so great. Um, Nick DeVries, I don't know exactly where I kind of thought he would end up. Um, he's just, he's, you know, getting getting the car under him, trying his best. But it, yeah, every week he's just kind of a letdown from him. Yeah, I mean, you know, DeVries, I think I said this when I was a panelist a few weeks ago, he didn't help himself when he said, oh, don't judge me as a rookie. So, okay, you're not being judged as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> You should not help yourself, mate. Um, but um, Jared, the oh god, this pains me because uh, everybody knows I'm a Rebel fan, but I'm I'm also a Lando fan, and therefore I'm you know a, a McLaren fan. You know they're most people's sort of second favourite team. Uh, Lando P9 on the roads, but P13 after a five second penalty for unsportsmanlike behaviour, which we've, which I've certainly never heard of in F1 <laughs> not 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 that actual thing you know that's what's on my behavior I'm a max fan I see it every day um but uh Piastri who's on the road he finished P12 and then got promoted to, to P11 missed opportunity do you think for them given these, yeah I think they're locked at the third row yeah, I think so. I mean, I would have hoped that they at least came home with some points at the end of the day. Uh, I feel like, again, they were let down with their execution. So, you know, they may not have had um, race pace of the of the top eight, but it was just, yeah, I was, you know, kind of going into those pit stops and if with fingers crossed, oh, please, you know, at least make some gains. But they didn't, unfortunately. You touched on it before with Lando being done with uh, unsportsmanlike behaviour penalty. I mean, just say that it was a safety car infringement, Sports unsportsmanlike behaviour usually is reserved for um, what happened in Brazil a few years ago after the race between Verstappen and Ocon. But uh, yeah, a bit of a letdown. They, They thought they could get away with doing the double stack and then also Lando was investigated for an unsafe release as well. He was, you know, seemingly released into the path of Albon after that stop, but it seems like the stewards were being quite lenient with unsafe releases because um, Alonso and Hamilton were also investigated with Hamilton coming out. But, uh, yeah, I think for the pace that they showed, it's it's a bit of a letdown that they didn't get points. But, you know, the narrative at the moment with McLaren is that they've got uh, 
an array of updates coming over the next few races as we go back into Europe. Austria will be a big upgrade for them. So, and, you know, we've got the extra race on the Saturday with the sprint too. So there's going to be plenty of points on offer. They've just got to be able to execute and um, make sure both their cars finish in the top 10. And for Oscar as well, I think he did a pretty decent job considering um, how the race panned out. So again, it'll just be about getting more results on the board for them. And, you know, there's, there's going to be nowhere to hide after, you know, all these upgrades come and they get to the end of the season, you know, they've, as I said last time, yeah, there'll be nowhere to hide if they can't perform with all these uh, changes and updates that they've had. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, these, uh, these, these upgrades, they, you know, it, it's sort of make or break for them by this point. We've already had one round of upgrades in Baku, I believe it was. But um, uh, rates just just looking a bit up and down the grid. So it was effectively an Alfa Romeo McLaren sandwich. Um, we had Bottas, who finished uh, P11, but got promoted to P10. And then Joe uh, finished P16. I was, uh, I mean, I'm trying not to sound like a panelist, but I, I honestly thought Bottas had quite a good race today. Um, you know, especially when he started pretty far down the grids, he, he was looking pretty racy. You know, he was, he was, he was, he was actually putting in some moves, as opposed to looking like he just checked out. Um, do you think it was one of their better races this season? Or oh, for sure, for Bottas, that it was definitely one of the best races for him this year. He's been so poor, and I've just wondered like what what was causing the terrible performance because there would be races where he would be way at the back of the pack, and Joe would will be race out racing his teammate pretty much that we wouldn't expect that someone like Valtteri Bottas that at points could be faster than Lewis on certain days can now be outbeaten by Joe, who's just in his second year of Formula One. So like I was pretty critical of Bottas all season so far and just wondering what happened, like where's the pace? So I definitely think that he should be really happy with this result today. I think the team will snatch a point, um, be happy with that. But yeah, for him, definitely one of the better races of the season. We actually saw him like getting into battles and doing some moves. It was great to see just him not being in the back of the pack. Um, and then for Joe, I think he'll be a little bit upset with today. Um, he might be able to have done a little bit better, but I think overall he stayed out of trouble for the most part, but definitely was safely in some battles. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was it was definitely one of Bottas's better races. You 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 bang you bang on, and I I've been quite critical of, of him of him as well, and I think you could say somewhat rightly so. But um, uh, but yeah, um, sorry that that sounds harsh on Bottas. Just going, but yeah, but uh, you know we, we we must move on. Um, and Jared, I do apologise. Uh, Lance Stroll P nine, um, he exists. <laughs> those those are my race notes. Um. Bit of a bit of a lonely race. He was he was stuck in that DRS choo choo train, uh, you know, behind Ocon and Norris Albon. He was he was sort of just there, um, but you know, not quite reaching the lofty heights of his teammate once again. No, but perhaps for once, for once, I can actually say some kind things about Lance Stroll. Um, and yeah, I had the bold prediction in the preview show that he would finish on the podium, but that didn't happen. Uh, I feel like he actually drove 
decently considering he did cop a grid penalty after qualifying for impeding one of many drivers who were done for impeding after yesterday. So from 16th to make it to ninth, I think decent effort. Yes. You know, the, the pace of that car is a lot more considering, you know, Alonso thought he could potentially fight for the win today, but for a stroll, for stroll standard, I feel like it's a good race. He, you know, nailed his two-stop strategy as well and and just kept it out of trouble. And, yeah, to at least come home for some points at his home race, I think, you know, that's there's nothing, you know, better, I guess, he could have done or worse, if that makes sense. Worse, of course, he he wouldn't have finished the race. But, uh, yeah, you know, to, to come home and score some points, I think, you know, that's the, the nicest thing we could say about Lance Stroll's race today. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, at, at least he brought some points, um, you know, at, at his home race, nonetheless. Um, you know, he, uh, yeah, he, he was, he, he was, he was there, and yeah, you know, cool, well done. Um, but you know, when when your teammates on the podium nursing a brake issue and you know, thinking about a race win, which I think was perhaps a bit ambitious, um, but you know, fending off a seven-time champion for P two, uh, yeah, you know, I think some questions will be asked. But his dad's in charge, or probably not. Um, Rach, uh, P8, we had Esteban Ocon. Um, quite an interesting race for the Alpine, especially if you, if anybody listening or watching to this um, he, uh, saw the footage of Ocon's car and then also heard Norris's team radio, where the rear wing was looks a tad loose. Maybe they need to borrow some Alpha Towery duct tape. Um, you had some good battles with uh, with Norris as well. Obviously went down to the wire and he held out for, for um, I was going to say for the win, not quite. It's not Hungary 2021. He, um, he, he held out to take P8 and win that battle. There we are. That's what I was going for. Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, do you think, so do you think with the... So sure, maybe if he would have gotten out of the DRS chain, we would have seen more from him. I almost feel like that rear wing was intentionally like that. Um, because at the beginning of the race, when they were doing their um, practice starts, it was already wiggling. So I just, I feel like maybe it's intentionally loose. I don't know what that does to aerodynamics, not that kind of gal, but um, I definitely thought it was interesting that they didn't maybe call him in and have them fix that if they even could fix that at that point. Um, but yeah, maybe if you could have gotten out of the DRS train, I feel like Esteban's kind of had a fire under him the past couple of races. He's been doing really well for the team, definitely stepping out as the leader there over Pierre. So no, I think Esteban had a solid race. If he could have made it around Albon and stayed up front and pulled away, maybe we would have seen something more, but I, I was really happy with him today and it was, it was good to see. Yeah. And um, that, that's a good point actually about, about his, his rear wing, you, you know, if it would have been an issue, you know, you, you would have thought that a, somebody would have picked it up sooner and B, um, it would have been noted by the FAA, or you know, it, you know, it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have got, wouldn't have got to that point. But um, Jared, uh, the F1 driver of the day, and also the F1 Chronicle driver of the day, uh, the absolute goat himself, not that William driver, but the good one, Alex Albon, P7, after also a storm in quality yesterday. To be fair, you know, in that Williams. It looks like he's really sort of settling into that team nicely. Upgrades are beginning to work. The team's working. Pretty good drive, you've got to say. 
Yeah, you know, and deservedly so driver of the day for uh, both F1 and also um, F1 Chronicle. Considering all the sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it negative press about Williams uh, lately, but, you know, a lot of attention has been brought to when we saw their flaw in Monaco, um, how basic it looks compared to, you know, the Red Bull and, you know, Mercedes, for example. James Vowles, the new team principal, has come out and also said that, yeah, some of their facilities, you know, that they make their parts with and development and stuff like that are more than 20 years old at their growth base as well. Is like, wow, that that this is a team that really needs to, you know, come into the come into the modern era they're so out of date so you know that explains you know the trials and tribulations of Williams over the past few years and when you got a driver like Albon of course you know we saw Russell when he was with the team he was able to pull off monumental feats like that but you know Albon stepped in after being discarded by Red Bull and you know he's doing as good as as Russell if not in worse machinery and you know for him to hold on in deep in the points for most of the race, he went 58 laps on those hard tires as well. Um, and then, yeah, at one point, Russell was behind Albon too. And although he was in a wounded Mercedes, Albon still made his car as wide as possible and defended uh, like a lion, you could say, to to keep P7 in the end. And, you know, such a good boy boost of points for the Williams team as well. You know, they've really made Alpha Tauri look even worse than they already were um this season. And yeah, they're only a point off Haas as well. So and two points off Alpha Romeo. So that's becoming a quite an interesting battle with those uh four teams at the bottom of the standings at the moment. But yeah, not enough praise um I think for for Albon. he's just doing such a great job. Yeah, he's doing an absolutely sterling job in, in that car. Um and Whilst, whilst yes, you know, you know, um, perhaps, perhaps you could say, you know, you know, the car performance well at circuits like Australia and, um, you know, and, and Melbourne, you know, you're going to take what you can get, aren't you? You know, you know, because you know, especially in such a tightly contested midfield. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think you made a very good point there, where, where you said he he deserves more praise um, than, uh, than than he's had so far. So uh, so yeah, so I'm. Uh, I'm I'm in agreement, and Albon's grown on me because I didn't like him when he was the second Red Bull driver, but he's really grown on me, especially as a Williams driver. But speaking of second Red Bull drivers, who seem to like to screw up any opportunity they're ever given, uh, how I wish Tom Horrocks was on this show. Uh, Rach, uh, Sergio Perez P6 after a um, slightly iffy qualifying. He, okay, right, he didn't get. The most one I luck with the early safety car because he started on hearts. So his so his chassis was a bit backwards. So you've got to factor that in. But still, he is in a Red Bull, which is by a country mile the quickest car on, on the grid. You've got to say he should have done better than P6. Oh, I completely agree with that. I mean, if you were to put Max in his position and where he started and stuff, Max would have still won the race. And I mean, maybe that's bold to say, but that car is just so good. And we've seen Max tear through the field. So I don't really know what's going on with Sergio. Of course, like you mentioned, his qualification just kind of wasn't lucky with what tire that they had him on and the strategy and he got kicked out that way, but 100% someone in that Red Bull 
should be able to finish on the podium pretty much every single race with the pace it has. Um, they did hit him at the end and he got the fastest lap point. It's like big whoop de doo at that point after the race that he had. Um, it just, it, it just, I don't know what is going on there. And I do somewhat worry for his future there because I know Red Bull can be so cutthroat. He was always so consistent at being like, always going to be snatching those podiums along with Max and really propelling the team to a slam dunk constructors championship. And I still think they probably will win the constructors championship this year, but yeah, I'm probably not as harsh as Tom or because didn't he say you wouldn't win a race for the rest of the year or something like that? Yeah, that was pretty bold of him, but I, I think maybe he'll have a comeback, but especially after today, I, I maybe can glean a little bit more where he was coming from um, when he said that. Yes. Um, and just just for the benefits of all, of all our listeners, viewers, followers, Tom did say that if Paris wins another race this season, he'll present an episode wearing nothing but his umbrella and his underwear. Perez, please do not win another race. Okay, I beg of you. But... Um, but yeah, no. Uh, again, Rick's very, very good points. You know, if it would have been Max in that kind of that position, and um, you look at some of his races from last year when he had engine penalties and stuff, you know, slice through the field like a knife through hot butter, and Perez is there. You know, on you know, again, you're somewhat overdone by strategy, but you know, put Max in the same position or put someone like Hamilton in the same position or Leclerc, or maybe, you know, I'd, I'd say George Russell, you know, that kind of group of drivers, and they'd be up there. So, especially with some of the drivers of Red Bull having the wings, you know, Perez must be looking over his shoulder, especially now that Max is more experienced, all the rest of it. But who knows? We'll see. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, Red Bull won't be welcome in Mexico if that does happen. Um, Jared, the two Ferraris, uh, they finished P5 and P4. I've got to be honest, um, I was kind of hoping that they would go full Ferrari, but they didn't, and I'm a bit lost for words, because when we saw that they were the only two that didn't pitch on the safety car, I thought, oh boy, here we go, let the memes begin. Um, I don't know, maybe they've had a word with their WEC team after the, after the one of them on the other week on how not to absolutely capitulate. Um, but yeah, decent result for, for the team, obviously. Bit of team orders in there. Um, what are your thoughts, you know, sort of, so around the team orders, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, them uh, Ferrari saying saying to Leclerc that Signs will not fight you. I think they were just sweating on being able to bag a solid result in fourth and fifth, and I think not have any kind of friction potentially derail that because, as you know, with with teammates, there is the possibility for things to go absolutely south, like they did in Australia for Alpine. Um, and then, yeah, looking at Mercedes and Barcelona 2016 as well. So, you know, it, it was a conservative race for Ferrari, but they did, you know, do what Sergio Perez couldn't, for example, because they did start outside the top 10. Well, Leclerc was 10th, but uh, was able to come through the field. Yes, when they didn't pit under the safety car, everyone was sharpening the pitchforks and were ready to... Um, write it on the front page of the newspaper that, you know, Ferrari strategy butchered uh, race again. But considering on Friday they were talked about as having, you know, 
race pace second to Red Bull. You know, they were quicker than um, Aston Martin and Mercedes in race trim. I think, you know, if they hadn't qualified out of position or as in science hadn't taken the grid penalty for impeding, um, you know, they possibly could have mixed it in for the podium because they did look after their tyres, which they haven't done in a lot of races this year, which is why they've been so far back. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was a 4.4 second gap back to Leclerc from Hamilton. So I feel like, yeah, if they weren't starting out of position, they could have been in the mix for the podium today. But, you know, again, there's just so many problems with this team and, you know, it's just going to be a miracle if this season they uh, can have the perfect race or close to a perfect race. I don't think they're in a situation where they'll win a race this season. Um, But, you know, the fact that after last year, we have to kind of say, oh, you know, a podium is a, is going to be, you know, the best Ferrari can achieve. It, it's just not good enough considering the the hype and everything around this team. So, yeah, fourth and fifth, good result, happy they finished, didn't completely butcher the strategy. Signs is not going to be happy, of course, with, with the team orders, but, you know, at the end of the day, Ferrari a team that sometimes they've got to be a bit more assertive on the pit wall. You know, they were being told by their drivers again how to do the strategy, which again was like, you know, if you're a strategist, you don't want to be second-guessing yourself week in, week out, especially if you're in a team as high up as Ferrari. So, you know, you need to be a bit more assertive and sometimes put your drivers in in their place because, yeah, sometimes the drivers don't know what they're on about either. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, yeah. It's, it 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 does feel like a bit of almost like a sad state of affairs, you know. That last year Ferrari were initially fighting for the championship and then went full Ferrari, um, but yeah, this year it seems to have been a bit of bit of a clunk back down to earth. Um, but looking at our podium, so you know, as usual, we'll go through these these drivers each. Uh, Rach Hamilton P three. Ultimately, do you think maybe he'll he'll sort of rue his chance at losing P two because he made an absolutely electric start? You know, he he made short work of Alonso go, going through turn one and you know round turn two. Um, I think it's safe to say a win probably wasn't on the car to anybody aside from Max, you know, barring a mechanical DNF um, or perhaps some alien intervention. But um, obviously, you know, started P three, finished P three. One of his best races, I'd say. You know, certainly of the post twenty twenty one era. Oh, for sure, it was very exciting to watch, especially him right at the beginning. Um, you, for sure, the first thing you noticed was how good of a start Max got, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, and there's Lewis too. So it was a very exciting start of the race for him. Um, he was able to stay pretty close to Max for a while too, which I found really impressive because. Lately, we've been seeing the start of the race and all of a sudden we're at lap five and Max is like 10 seconds down the road already. But I kept watching that gap and it was staying like pretty much around like the one and a half to like three second mark, like towards the beginning of the race for Lewis and Max. And I thought that was really impressive. Um, then Alonso got around him and really took off, um, on him. I just think that they, that they were definitely faster here. The Aston Martin. So 
I really do think third was probably the best unless um, Alonzo did have even more mechanical issues that he did a little bit, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a moment. But Hamilton, um, when they pitted him right at the end, his final stint was so impressive. He was really pushing right on the edge. I texted my group chat that I'm in for F1 and I was like, it's hammer time. I was like, here we go. I really thought for a second there he, he could catch Alonzo with that mechanical issue, but once Alonzo saw he was getting close enough, he just went full beans and took off and Hamilton didn't stand a chance at that point of catching him. But I thought it was a great race from Lewis. I think it'll be great for just his general confidence and that Mercedes is moving in the right direction week by week. So, you know, although Red Bull have been so dominant, um, the field was definitely closer to them this week. And so it was really exciting to see it. Lewis, just a great performance all, all together this week. Yeah, that Merck is absolutely right, uh, moving in, in, in the right direction. And I, I think it's definitely making Aston Martin look over their shoulder quite a bit. You know, you know, who knew that side pods could work so well? Um but yeah, it's uh you know, it's it's um yeah, it, it, Mercedes it's sort of been an interesting one, excuse me, this year. And you know, I I feel like Hamilton's almost sort of getting a Getting second wind, and you know, you know, I think after, I think maybe after not having a win last year, and then, you know, it seems like finally the team have listened to him about the car because obviously he and George Russell should drive it. Um, you know, he's a, he, he looks like he's enjoying the sport, which is, you know, which is good because you know, I, I think he, well, I, I fear that maybe he lost a love for it a bit, especially after, you know, that title fight from a couple of years ago that I'm not going to mention, but um, Jared, speaking of, um, speaking of battles that don't like to be mentioned. Uh, Alonso P2 just ahead of his old nemesis Hamilton um, hmm. as as we just said he didn't get the best of starts he got rather mugged in, you know, through turn one into turn two um, pulled it back um, there was obviously the unsafe release between the two of them and I'm going to go into that a bit later on as well um, ultimately P2 seems to be his spot this year when Perez is playing silly buggers yeah and when you look at the gap in the championship as well I think it's like nine points between he and and Perez as well. So given the the kind of trajectory Perez is on at the moment with his results, it wouldn't be a surprise if we see Alonso up into second in the championship, which is not something we would have said at all at the start of the year. But it's I thought it was an interesting race for Alonso um given his you know demeanor and his um his body language and everything and just some of the commentary he made because you know, at the start of the year, it almost seemed like, oh, wow, you know, we're, we're finishing on the podium. This is amazing. Um, just happy to be here. Whereas this race, he made a lot about how, you know, he felt like he could have won it, you know, and perhaps he's gone back to the Alonso of old who, you know, yes, I, I finished, you know, second, third, you know, umpteen times. I want to win, you know, kind of thing. So, is that going to be the mentality that kind of pushes him and Aston Martin towards, you know, that elusive win? Or, you know, is he just going to end up frustrated by the end of the season and, you know, burn bridges, do what Fernando Alonso does typically? So, you know, yes, he was right in what he said after qualifying that, you know, I just want to finish. Um, I don't want to finish 20 seconds behind. I'd rather it be two seconds. No, it wasn't two seconds. And yes, the safety car did sort of take away that uh, 
extra five second gap that Verstappen would have had over second place at the end. But it looked mostly positive. And then, yes, like we were saying, he had to nurse a, a brake issue as well later on in the race and still was able to keep enough of a gap over Hamilton. And then he uh, basically, you know, said, right, <laughs> personal best sectors, um, second place is mine. But, yeah, just he hearing him after the race say, that, yeah, you know, I think we were hoping to challenge Red Bull. It was um, a very demanding race. I did qualifying laps pretty much every race, uh, every lap uh, today as well. You know, it's kind of good to see that, you know, that hunger there from Alonso, but at the same time, you know, immediately Mercedes is who they've got to be worried about, and at least they had them covered in on this occasion. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good point, you know, that um, Alonso will only settle for P two so many times, um, and I I do wonder when the fireworks are going to happen inside that Aston Martin team, you know, especially with Honda on the horizon, it's only a matter of time. But um, Rachel, as we sort of mentioned, Max once again P one got the start sorted, got the safety car restart sorted, got the strategy sorted. So much so that he fell asleep and tried to mimic George Russell at turn nine and went over the curbs. Um, I mean, there's not really much you can say about this other than congrats on the 2023 World Drivers' Championship. Yep, just another good race for Max. Excellent race. He is just doing such a good job. His qualification lap, again, was super impressive in those conditions. He's really riding the curbs and put in a great lap to get pole. Um, you know, every week I feel like people are like, oh, as long as Max doesn't win, like it'll be a good race. But I've kind of moved into the mentality of like, I'm just going to focus on like two downwards and just kind of like assume number one is going to be Max every week. So I, you know, enjoy all those battles there. Um, I mean, it's 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 quite the year. They they mentioned the statistic about him like leading every lap since like Miami laps 40 something. Um, and he's just. I don't know how many laps that was like 200 something that they've mentioned on the broadcast. And I thought that was such an interesting statistic, but he really seems unstoppable at this point. And I don't see that wavering in the next couple of races, but we'll see who can challenge max this year. But again, solid race nailed everything. Strategy was great. Yes. He definitely did almost fall asleep and he laughed about it on the radio. Not, Oh no, almost did this and focus. Oh no, I almost did this. Ha ha. It was like, okay, Max, just checked out and is just enjoying himself up there. Yeah, he was, uh, he, he was, he was certainly, um, he was certainly just, just sort of pounding around, just, just putting the laps in, taking it easy. You know, I, it, it did make me laugh when he complained a few times about the tyres and, uh, and JP said, okay, Max, we get the message. That was so sarcastic. I was like, Do you know, what? yeah, that's probably probably the best way best way to to deal with that. Um, so that was our rundown of where the finishers are and the non finishers. Um, there are two points I just want to just get both of your opinion on, um, you know, because as you probably figured out, whenever I host, I like to do a bit of an opinion piece. Um, so the first one I want to just get both of your opinions on is the unsafe release incidents in the pit lanes uh, sorry in, in the pit lanes in the pit lane um so first of all uh jared's obviously neither hamilton nor norris 
got a penalty for unsafe release. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, at least the stewards were consistent with their decision-making on that, even if it might not necessarily be uh, correct, uh, as as you might say. With the like, I saw the Alonso one happen um, in the moment, and I don't know if I I might have missed the replay for for Norris and Albon, but you know Alonso had to he did kind of jink to the right, and you know to the right is obviously the pit wall, and you know you got all your personnel and whatnot on there as well. And yes, you know we've got pit limiters, and you go on a certain speed, but it's still what sixty kilometers an hour, um, and you know no one fancies being struck by a formula one car or any car at 60 kilometers an hour so the fact that you know we've got those rules in place for pit lane safety and everything um i feel like yeah there should have been some kind of sanction handed down sometimes we're like oh you know unsafe relief penalties are so harsh you know it should be the team who cops a penalty not the driver or whatever but on this occasion the fact that you know there was no um, no penalty, but then no reprimand or any of that sort of thing. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, that's a bit inconsistent. Over the weekend, um, they similar thing happened in, in the V8 supercars and, you know, there was penalty handed down straight away um, for an unsafe release. So, yeah, it's just not consistent with what we've seen in previous instances, but at least they didn't penalise one driver and didn't penalise the other. So not that I agree with the outcome anyway. So she's calling for the mute button. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, at least they were, were consistent in that sense, like you said. But um, yeah, it was just a... Uh, I'm not even going to see my view on it. Um Rachel, what was your view on on the non penalties for for the incidents? Yeah, I was a little shocked just based on how many penalties they were handing out all weekend. Um, that they that they weren't handing out a penalty for something that I kind of found really obvious. As a, I, I mean, I totally thought it was an unsafe release both times, and I was like, oh, there goes a penalty. It almost felt like, like like Jared said, at least it wasn't. At least it was consistent. Not that I agreed with that decision that they made. I think they both should have gotten um, something, penalty, reprimand, something about that. Um, but yeah, it, at least it was consistent. But it almost felt like one of those things that is like, we're just going to let them race. It's going good so far. And we're just going to not penalize anyone. And it was just kind of one of those things like, well, there's a rule book for a reason. Remember what happened last time you decided to make up your own rules? Um, there was a big controversy. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't remember that. No, not at all. <laughs> just a little one. Just a little one. I was like, oh, Michael Massey, you up there? Like, is he making this call? Like, it really felt like that kind of situation because it seemed so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, it's a good point. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, and I do wonder if it's now beginning to, beginning to set a precedent that drivers can just pull out in front of other drivers in the pit lane um so yeah who knows um but yes so thank you to everybody for listening thank you to everybody for watching uh that was our roundup of the 2020 canadian grand prix and also just a little, little opinion piece at the end if you did enjoy this podcast we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five star rating on spotify or a five star review on apple Podcasts. If you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. Um, 
just just before we go, just want to thank both my guests again, Jawad. Thank you very much. Um, hit the apex. Where can we find you? Uh, yeah, so it should be available on all good podcast platforms. There's a Twitter account at Hate the Apex Media, and also a link tree to all the other things that I uh, do. Lovely stuff. And Rach, you're part of um, uh, you're part of the Paddock Pals podcast. Uh, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts primarily, but we also are on other podcasts. Uh, you can see more from us on Twitter. Mainly my co-host is on the socials, not so much me, but he has great content on TikTok, uh, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Fabulous. Thank you. So Grid Talk is available on YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, where most episodes are recorded live, such as this one, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can, so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. Also, make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. We, we will be back, I believe, next week to preview the Austrian uh, Grand Prix for the, for the week after. But until then, thank you ever so much for listening. Uh, this has been the Crit Talk Podcast presented by Bet Online, and goodbye.